Section 23 of the South American Republics, Volume 2, by Thomas Cleland Dawson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Piotr Nater. Part 5. Venezuela. Chapter 1. Conquest, Settlement, and Colonial Days. On his third voyage, in 1498, Columbus sighted the Venezuelan coast just south of the Windward Islands. A year later, Alonso de Ojeda saw the mainland at about the same place, and skirted the coast for four hundred miles west without finding any important break in a line of mountains which rose almost directly from the sea to a height of three to nine thousand feet covered to their very tops with luxuriant vegetation but there was no such barrier as that made by the main andes on the pacific the passes were only half a mile instead of nearly three miles high the slopes were not dry and desolate as in peru or covered with a tangled mass of forest as in pacific colombia and ecuador just beyond the harbour where puerto cabello now stands the coastline turned abruptly to the northwest leaving the mountains further inland but the intervening plain was swampy and uninviting still following west ojeda rounded cape san roman and turned south into the great gulf of maracaibo there he saw indian villages of houses built on piles near the shallow shores and he called the place venezuela little venice a name shortly extended to the whole coast from the mouth of the orinoco west to the forbidding and uninhabitable peninsula of guajira which forms the western promontory of the gulf of maracaibo there is no record that either columbus or ojeda effected a permanent landing and it was not until fifteen ten that some adventurers founded a settlement on the small island of cubagua in the channel between the large island of margarita and the mainland this was a mere nest of pirates who persecuted the indians of the shore kidnapping and selling them as slaves to the spaniards on the antilles and it was shortly abandoned in fifteen twenty on the coast just opposite was founded the settlement of cumana the oldest city on the south american continent which though destroyed by the natives was rebuilt in fifteen twenty five when valuable pearl fisheries were discovered in the neighboring waters of margarita however the place remained of little importance and did not become a centre for the colonization of the adjacent country the spaniards attaching little value to this region because it contained no gold washings the real colonization of venezuela began four hundred miles farther west with the foundation in fifteen twenty seven of the city of coro on the narrow neck of land which separates the gulf of maracaibo from the caribbean sea thence there was easy access by water to the shores of the great lagoon or by land over the coast plain to the northwestern slopes of the andean range which runs southwest to the giant plateau of pamplona just over the colombian border the andean valleys were filled with gold and among the higher mountains lay fertile plateaus cultivated by tribes of semi-civilized indians altogether the region was well calculated to stimulate the cupidity of adventurers charles v granted the venezuela coast to the welser family of augsburg the greatest merchants of their time and his heavy creditors under their commission the first adelantado alfinger took possession of coro and conducted various expeditions southwest along the andes perishing near pamplona about fifteen thirty one his successors continued these murdering kidnapping incursions into the interior 
often being led to their ruin among remote mountain fastnesses by tales of a mythical el dorado where the rivers ran over silver sands the palaces were of solid gold with doors and columns of diamonds and emeralds and the indian king every morning covered his body with gold dust and bathed in precious aromatic essences eighteen years however elapsed before the spaniards established a permanent settlement in the interior and only in fifteen forty five was the city of tocuyo founded in a beautiful andean valley a hundred and fifty miles south of coro but the cruelties of the proprietor's agents scandalized public opinion charles v declared their concession cancelled and a governor responsible directly to the government was appointed in fifteen forty seven thenceforward the settlement of venezuela proceeded more rapidly five years later the city of barquisimiento fifty miles north of tocuyo and near the point where the andes join the coast range was established on a secure footing after hard fighting with the indians in fifteen fifty five the spaniards penetrated east a hundred miles along the lovely plateaus of the coast mountains and founded valencia the following year they settled trujillo fifty miles southwest of tocuyo and two years later merida a hundred miles farther in the same direction and not far from the colombian frontier to the east of valencia lay valuable gold washings and to work these the spaniards fixed a camp at san francisco in the aragua valley about fifteen sixty this is the garden spot of venezuela and the warlike teques indians under their terrible chief guaycaipuro massacred the miners and defeated several expeditions from valencia and barquisimiento it was not until fifteen sixty seven that the spaniards succeeded in establishing their power in the valley of caracas which a hundred miles east of valencia lies close to the shore although three thousand feet above sea level and separated from the ocean by high mountains the defensibility of the site as well as the fertility of the soil pointed it out as the best place for the seat of government a city was founded which ten years later replaced coro as the capital of the province and shortly thereafter a port was opened at la guayra giving direct communication with spain the savage tribes fought more pertinaciously than the civilized natives of ecuador peru bolivia and northern chile and argentina and a greater number of europeans and negroes replaced those who were slain finally however the majority submitted and were incorporated as peasants into the spanish system by the end of the sixteenth century the spaniards had obtained undisputed possession of that lovely strip of mountainous country which extends from cape codera west between two parallel coast ranges to barquisimiento and thence southwest nearly to the head of lake maracaibo a belt some four hundred miles long and fifty or seventy-five wide they also held the great peninsula east of maracaibo gulf and had established outlying settlements in the llanos south of the mountains besides the two isolated ports cumana on the eastern coast and maracaibo on the western notwithstanding the sack of caracas in fifteen ninety five by the daring british buccaneer amias preston the colony prospered unlike the pacific coast it had easy and direct communication with the antilles and europe and altitude was great enough to ensure a healthful climate while its fertile valleys could be reached from the sea in a few hours over easy passes 
far different from those formidable gorges which are the only ways of reaching the table-lands of Colombia, Ecuador, Peru, and Bolivia. The interior, instead of being a heavily forested plain like that of the Amazon, practically inaccessible behind tremendous rain-soaked declivities, was an open prairie into which the mountains sank gently and whose grassy expanses afforded pasture for immeasurable herds. These geographical and topographical features have been determinative of Venezuela's development and history, political as well as industrial. In the early years of the 17th century, the long-neglected Cumana district on the eastern coast began to be developed. The city of Barcelona was founded in 1617 near a magnificent body of grazing land, and in the best tobacco country in Venezuela, where the Indians had grown the plant for untold generations. Barcelona soon became an important centre of population and the starting point for missionaries to the interior tribes. The gold placers which had attracted the first adventurers to the mountains west of Caracas became exhausted within a few decades. Nevertheless, the fertile lands distributed among the Spaniards in encomiendas continued to be cultivated by Indian and Negro labor, and although maize, bananas, potatoes, and in the higher valleys even wheat, as well as the vine and olive, with the cattle introduced by Europeans, furnished an abundant supply of food, to say nothing of tobacco and sugar, Spain's blind colonial policy virtually prevented export of agricultural products. The Spanish authorities wanted nothing from their American dominions but gold and silver, and when Venezuela's placers were exhausted, the colony was neglected. It was in spite of the prohibition of the Spanish government that cacao trees were introduced, and the exportation which soon grew up, the first of any importance from Venezuela, was mostly clandestine. Practically all the goods legally imported had to be procured from the Cadiz monopoly, and were sent to the Isthmus and there transshipped into coasting vessels, paying enormous freight charges, profits, and duties. Tobacco and salt were monopolized by government concessionaries, and not a chicken could be sold in the markets without paying an exorbitant tax. Education was completely neglected. It was not until 1686 that a priest school was established in Caracas, and when the city of Merida asked a similar boon, it was denied because, quote, his Catholic Majesty did not deem it wise that education should become general in America, end quote. So the Creoles grew up nearly as ignorant as the Indians around them, although retained all the fierce pride of their Spanish descent, acknowledging no man as superior, and retaining very dim sentiments of loyalty to the mother country. Nevertheless, the ancient municipal forms, traditional among peoples of Spanish descent, survived, furnishing the framework of civil government, while the priesthood continued a moral and intellectual tie binding the Creoles to their Castilian ancestors. The repressive regulations against commerce could not be perfectly enforced. Although the arrival of a ship from Spain was a real event, British, Dutch, and French traders frequented the coast, opening markets with their swords, and often turning buccaneers and sacking a town when not satisfied with their reception. But the burning of a few coast hamlets was more than compensated by the advantages of practical free trade, and Venezuela owed much of the prosperity she enjoyed during the 17th century to these semi-pirates. 
the settlements crept along the Andean valleys to the Colombian frontier, the Creoles ventured farther and farther into the wide plains of the Orinoco, and their cattle were soon roaming half-wild in the immense and luxuriant pastures stretching south of the agricultural strip. From the mixture of the Indians of Lilianos with Europeans sprang a new race of men, the semi-nomadic Llaneros, whose hardiness, courage, horsemanship, and prowess as hunters of big game have given them equal celebrity with the gauchos of the argentine the cossacks of the russian steppes or the texas cowboys the pucaniers and smuggling traders were especially active in the latter part of the seventeenth century in sixteen fifty four frenchmen were repelled in an attack on cumana but in sixteen sixty nine the britisher morgan sacked maracaibo and in sixteen seventy nine the french pillaged caracas itself the paralysis suffered by spain during the war of the spanish succession nearly destroyed venezuelan commerce and it did not recover with the peace of utrecht only five ships arrived in the first thirty years of the eighteenth century and from seventeen o six to seventeen twenty one not a single vessel sailed for spain the spanish government determined to try if another system would not bring a larger revenue into the royal treasury the guipuzcoa company was granted an exclusive franchise to buy and sell in the colony and the operations of this powerful corporation galvanized commerce into a certain activity in order to stimulate the receipt of hides and prevent the incursions of wild plains indians trading posts were established in the llanos and soon the prairies south of valencia and caracas rivalled the barcelona country in cattle and the ranches extended up the apure the great western tributary of the orinoco to the foot of the colombian andes meanwhile expeditions penetrated up the orinoco from its mouth and in seventeen sixty four the city of angostura was established four hundred miles from the sea the operations of the guipuzcoa company did not aid in establishing a more friendly understanding between the home government and the venezuelan creoles the independent merchants constantly quarrelled with the company's agents the low prices for which they were compelled to sell their stock outraged the ranch owners the farmers resented the monopolization of tobacco and the restrictions on sugar culture exorbitant prices were demanded for imported goods protests became so loud that special commissioners were sent from spain to investigate but they gave no satisfactory relief shortly after the foundation of the guipuzcoa company venezuela had been raised to the dignity of a captaincy general the increased efficiency of the administration assisted the monopoly in suppressing clandestine trading and the feeling grew to such a height that in seventeen forty nine a creole leader named leon menaced caracas itself at the head of six thousand armed men demanding the suppression of the company and the expulsion of its factors the captain-general was forced to yield and the revolutionists dispersed but his promise was never redeemed the active measures of the company effectually shut off foreign trading ships and the ports were so fortified that the british expeditions retired defeated from the attacks they made in seventeen thirty nine and seventeen forty three on la guayra and puerto cabello although in seventeen ninety seven they captured the island of trinidad and menaced the entrance to the orinoco it was not until 1778, when the Spanish government fully abandoned the monopolistic colonial system, 
and opened all the ports of South America to free commerce with each other and with Spain, that the Guipuscoa Company retired from business. Six years before this, the provinces of Maracaibo, Cumana, and Guiana, as the lower Orinoco region was called, all of which had heretofore been directly dependent upon the Viceroy of Bogotá, were placed under the jurisdiction of the Captain-General of Caracas, fixing the modern boundaries of Venezuela. End of section 23